You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for leaders who put people first. The podcast covers four broad themes, engagement and belonging, performance and productivity, leadership equity, and the future of work. Everything to do with the Happier at Work podcast relates to employee retention. You can find out more at happieratwork.ie. There's a huge thing about being valued and being treated fairly. And being valued isn't just about pay. And again, recognition isn't just about pay. Bringing the whole of yourself to work is really important. You can just be you. Hello and welcome to this week's Happier at Work podcast. I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. I'm delighted you decided to tune in today. You're so welcome here. Today's guest is Paula Sheridan. Now, myself and Paula have been connected on LinkedIn for quite a bit, and I absolutely love the content that she's putting out there. If you are a woman who is looking to progress in your career, if you are feeling like you're being overlooked for promotion, that other people who are less experienced than you are, are being promoted above you, definitely this episode is for you. If you're a manager and you want to create that better environment where it's a little bit fairer, where there's more women being supported to progress in their careers, then this episode is also for you. Lots and lots of nuggets of wisdom in today's episode. I'd love for you to get involved further in the conversation, whether that's on LinkedIn, through LinkedIn Live, through the posts on social media, or feel free to drop me an email. All details can be found on happieratwork.ie and I look forward to continuing this conversation. Welcome, Paula, to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation this morning that we're going to have. Do you want to let people know a little bit about your history, how you got to do what you're doing today? Morning, Eva. It's so nice to be here. We, yeah, I've been look, really looking forward to this conversation. I've been, I've enjoyed the podcast so far. So, um, yeah, I'm Paula Sheridan. My background is almost all pharmaceuticals, and I spent about 25 years in pharmaceuticals in a variety of roles. Um, and part of that was I then became an internal coach and I really enjoyed that in the company that I was in. Then when redundancy came along, it was too good an offer to miss. So I decided to put my money where my mouth was and where I'd been saying, oh, well, you know, if I get redundancy, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go off and be a coach and, and I'm going to help women build their confidence and do this and that. And so that's what I did. So now what I do is I work with, um, frustrated professional women who are really pissed off that yes, another less experienced person has overtaken them at work. And what I help them to do is to learn how to get their value recognized and appreciated so that, you know, next time it's them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get the attention they deserve. And it's so funny, Paula, like I've been um, connected with you on LinkedIn for a while. I've been really, really enjoying yeah. your content. The posts are so Thank relatable. You. Like I totally get it. And I was one of those women where that happened, where someone who I felt was less experienced, um, not as good at the role, without tooting my own horn, but someone, you know, that's definitely happened a few times. And I think people can relate yeah. to that, that, you know, here we go yet again. And maybe I'd love to get in your experience. Um, is it is it men typically who that is? So in my own personal experience, it was a man who was absolutely less experienced than I was. I was being promised this role and then he was promoted to be my manager. And I got such a mm. shock mm. because it also not only was he promoted to be my manager, it wasn't communicated to me at all. 
That, um, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 Oh god, that's 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 awful. Yeah. Um, the some the people that I speak to tend to be women. Yeah. So it tends it tends to be women who get in touch with me. Um, so you know, I can't say this never happens to men. It's yeah. just, this is the sample that I it's, see. It's more of when this does happen, is it that a less experienced man was promoted? And not, you know, not to kind of brandish all men as as uh, evil or, but I think oh, God, we no. have different no, no, ways no. of being recognised at work. And I think women really struggle with that. And we'll probably go on to talk a yes. bit more about that. Yes. Um, it does quite often tend to be Men who get promoted over women, and again, this is not a rant. This is not about um, man bashing. No, no, at no, all. absolutely not. It's not intended to be that way. But you know, we know that into most workplaces, graduate intake into into professional roles is pretty much equal yeah. men and women. Yeah. Certainly, in my experience in pharmaceuticals, it is, and there's data to um, support that, and there's data to support the wider professional. Um, in the UK as well, that, you know, they come in equal numbers. But then when you look at the numbers of managers, so the proportions of men and women who then become managers, that's when there is a disparity. So this gap opens up quite early and and then it widens. And the perceived wisdom was always, well, you know, women go off and have children, don't they? And then they they decide they don't want their career to be so important. Um, But the gap happens before that. Mm. So there may well be pressures that having a family puts on someone. And that's, I mean, that's a whole separate conversation. Yeah. Um, But the gap opens before that. And probably the gap then exacerbates the pressure that's put on women because women are then less likely to be the major earner. They're they're less likely to be, have a bigger career, that sort of thing. So when they do become parents, theirs is the job that can afford to go part-time. Yeah, it becomes less important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then that, and then from there it spirals. But it starts before they have children. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I entered the workplace assuming that what would make a difference and what would help you advance is working, you know, working hard and doing a good job. And that was what is necessary. But um, one lesson I wish I had learned an awful lot earlier is that there are two things that are important in the workplace in a professional workplace. And those two things are influence and visibility. Now, influence is the getting stuff done, is working with other people, working out what needs doing, um, who can help you do that, what are the needs of that person and that person and tying them all together. Influence is the doing your job and getting things done. Um, And you can be absolutely brilliant at that. The visibility part is the critical bit because if nobody knows that it was you that did it, you're not going to get the credit. Yeah, And you start out in a professional role um, with quite a lot of supervision because, uh, frankly, you have no idea what you're doing and you could be dangerous. And, you know, you could do all kinds of stuff. You know, yeah. Stuff could go very wrong. Yeah. You know, you have a lot of supervision so people can see what you are doing. They know what you are doing. Then as you progress onto another couple of jobs, you know, you know what you're doing. You don't need that much supervision. So the only time you become visible is if you tell people what you're doing or if you cock something up. Mm. And so if you're just yeah. sailing a nice steady ship um, and you're not causing any problems and you're not asking for help, then nobody really knows what you're doing. 
And more and more, as you get further on in your career, what your job becomes about is actually mitigating risk and anticipating problems and ensuring that things carry on in a nice straight line. So, Therefore, if nothing goes wrong... No yeah, one, you're doing no a good job, you. but nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I often talk about sort of the sailing a steady ship where, um, you know, you go you go from ship, from port to port. And unless you tell people, and if you arrive safely in the, the second port, nobody knows whether there was a storm on your way. They're just going to assume you were fine unless you tell them that there was this storm and that storm and... I realized that so-and-so had been missed off of a distribution list and actually we need their approval to get that project through because otherwise, Christ, if they don't see this, then it's all going to be a delay and if we don't hit that milestone and all of that kind of stuff. And you're doing all of that kind of stuff day in, day out. But if nobody knows about it, then it doesn't exist. Yeah. And so the people who get the promotions are the people who know how to make their work visible. And it's, it's such a big life skill. And you mentioned, you know, does it tend to be the men who get these promotions? And um, yeah, because men aren't told not to show off when they're children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's ingrained and, in us as women, oh, typically. Is. Yeah, yeah. It is. But I mean, I don't know if your childhood was like mine, where I, I can remember being a kid and one of my uncles saying, to me, you know, when you see uncles that some family do and they're like, oh, what can we ask the child about that we haven't seen for a year? Um, and it's, yeah, oh, how are you getting on at school? Are you clever at school? And I answered, yes. Oh, no. And it was like, oh, that was the wrong yeah, answer, exactly. Paula. <laughs> exactly. You don't say that. Yeah. Or another one, are you good at maths? Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, don't say that. Mm. You don't say that. But I am good at maths. Why can't I say that? Yeah. I am good at, yeah. Um, and but you know I could see it in your face there going oh no you don't say that yeah, yeah. oh no <laughs> yeah. we don't say that yeah yeah and it is so deeply ingrained you don't show off mm. you don't be bossy um I was uh, <laughs> as a small child apparently I was a bossy child um haven't they rephrased uh, that now <laughs> um, saying. <laughs> Don't tell a, a a girl she's bossy. Tell her she has good leadership skills or something. There's something to that effect. I've seen a meme about that. Yeah, yeah. All these things well, that we tell yeah. little girls. Yeah. But oh, and the other word I really can't stand. Um, but no one ever said it about me because they only say it about small people, and I'm not small. I'm actually I've never been small. I'm tall. Um, feisty. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Feisty is a great word to diminish, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a great word to you know put put someone in their place, isn't it? So you know we wind up with with half of the population, and I mean this is a gross generalisation because a lot of boys are raised in the same way. Yeah, not not to put themselves forward for a whole variety of reasons, um, but we end up with one group of people who are raised to wait to be noticed. Yeah, and another group of people who who. It's not that they're raised to put themselves forward. It's just that they're not told not to. Yeah. And so it's perfectly natural to talk about what have you done this week? Well, I did this and I did this and I did this. Meanwhile, a lot of women, that doesn't come naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Something that's kind of, I suppose, occurring to me now and something that I talk about a lot is this idea of the impact that you have. And 
the role of managers in identifying and setting really clear expectations for people, but also linking what people do on a day-to-day basis to the objectives of the organization, to the objectives of the team and what it is that, that the company as a whole is trying to achieve, but making that really clear link. Do you think something like that would make it easier for people in general, but, but women specifically to talk about their achievements at work? Yeah, I, I think having a really clear view of, of the line between what you're doing in your role. Yeah. And the outcome. Yes. It's so, it's so important. Yeah. For motivation, um, for, you know, a a sense of achievement, that sort of thing. Um, because my background is, is healthcare and pharmaceuticals. There is quite a sort of direct line to, well, if we don't keep this product in stock, people die. Yes. So it's, it's at least in, in the area that I worked in for the last 10 years of my pharmaceutical career, it was very much, if we don't have product, they die. Yeah. Um, so it's quite easy then to connect what you're doing with a specific outcome. Would that help people? I don't know. I, I don't know because does it help them talk about their achievements? What's I suppose what's in it for them in terms of talking about their achievements? They need the positive reinforcement from a manager. Yeah. That, that that's what the manager wants from them. So if I'm talking to managers, what I, what I would normally kind of say is if someone isn't coming forward in one-to-ones to talk about and, and saying what problems they've solved this week or what challenges they've overcome, ask them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ask them to, you know, I expect you to bring to your next one-to-one two challenges you've overcome this week or two things that would have gone wrong if you hadn't been there just to get people in the habit of it, yeah. of talking about their achievements and talking about their work and actually linking what they do on a day-to-day basis to changing the course of a project. Or yeah, Because it's so easy to fall into the habit of thinking, well, everything's on track. It's fine. Yeah, because you but have if you, yeah, proactively exactly. identified that there would have been an issue in this scenario. And, and if you're anything like me, you kind of, once you do something, you sort of forget it. And yeah. exactly that. If, <laughs> yeah. if everything is on track and there's no issues, you don't really think to talk about them. But it's it's a really interesting viewpoint, I think, that as an individual, be prepared to discuss those kinds of things because they are part of your job, especially the more senior you get, as yeah. you mentioned earlier, Paula. But also as a manager, actually proactively inquire to people. Like I remember sitting... Yeah in management meetings or in one-to-ones with my manager, also with my direct reports. And you're just kind of going through a list of tasks that they have on. You don't really talk about anything else. Yeah. Maybe on a quarterly basis, you talk about career development and opportunities and, and things like that. But I always felt being in a, a smaller office in Ireland, part of a global agency, but didn't really get the visibility of the opportunities that were out there from a global perspective. Mm. And I mean, you've just reminded me of, of, of something that happened with a manager of mine where, you know, we had a good working relationship. I'm not complaining about him at all. <laughs> we did. I'm not just thinking, oh, God, what have you listened? Um, we did have a good working relationship, but there was a big, big supply issue on the medicine that I was managing. And so I called in supply chain managers, the people who, you know, who have access to all the data about what supply, stock is where. And we were all in a room together and 
yeah, the supply managers and I, we, we just kind of, we drew a big map on the wall and we went, we've got this much here, we've got this much here and did it. And I was going, well, what if you move that from there to there, because they share a pack and you can hit there to here to here. I mean, well, my manager was like, oh my God, this is, this is great. I don't need to do anything. Oh my God. And I was more sort of, well, what did you think was going to happen? Because... Yeah, but you, you're totally you're totally in charge, and that was kind of what made me think. Well, of course I am. Yeah. What, Why did what you not think? expect? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And that actually that day changed our working relationship quite a lot. Okay. He was like, "Oh, I I just haven't I haven't witnessed this size of you before." Yeah. It's like, yeah, but this is what I'm doing day in day out, and I guess I'm not showing you. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. And it's kind of, you know, to, to kind of bring it back to a more general setting, like trying to explain to someone what you do on a day-to-day basis at work, like yeah. no one ever really gets it. Um, even if you no. give a job title or something, no one really knows what it is that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Like, I mean, we could talk about skills on a for a whole other podcast episode, the different kind of skills that are required, the transferable skills, all of that kind of thing. I'd love to come back to this idea of visibility and and do you see any fears around being more visible? Because again, something that comes up when I talk with with um, clients in relation to imposter syndrome, visibility is one of the yeah. triggers. And as we progress through our careers, yeah. we become more visible in, especially, you know, in organizations, well, in uh, entrepreneurial settings as well. But in organizations, the higher you get, the more visible, the more eyes that are on you. Uh, so if you mess something up or if you say something, it's amplified throughout that organization. So any yeah. any thoughts around the fears associated with talking about our stuff, um, first of all, but then maybe also related to as we progress our careers, the fears around being visible. Is um, the fear around being visible is quite, is, well, as you say, it's completely normal yeah. and natural yeah. and and it happens. And for me, it's linked to a few things. So as you, you know, as you're talking about imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome, as you know, is linked to not feeling like you belong, not feeling like you're the same as everybody else yeah. in the room for whatever reason. So, you know, it, it could be ethnicity, sexuality, whatever, um, gender or background. But for what, whatever reason, you feel like you don't belong. And so therefore you kind of feel like I'm going to get found out. Mm. And so you're scared about sticking your hand up or something because, yeah, you're going to get found out. Then people will realise uh, that you have no idea what you're talking about. You're a total fraud and you don't belong here at all. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. They'll 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 notice. Um, so yeah, that it's a normal thing. Um, I do sometimes talk through with clients about what is the worst that could happen. Mm. What's the worst that could happen? And what will you do if that, you know, really unlikely worst happened? And quite often it sort of comes out, oh, actually, yeah, that isn't that bad, is it? It's not that bad. Or, I mean, and this depends on the person. Um, or working through, what do we think of other people who stick their head above the parapet? And where do those thoughts come from? And th- this relates back again to the whole being told that um, in your childhood that you should behave in a certain way. And then if you see other people behaving in a way that doesn't fit with that, how do you feel about those people and about um, being that woman 
<laughs> or that lady mm. that says, did that? Yeah. I was, and I did a good job. Yeah. Um, there is, if you haven't come across it, there is a, a fantastic resource available from Google and it's free, free workshops called I Am Remarkable. Oh, yes. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, they are fabulous. And they do a lot of work in this area in terms of um, realizing that sometimes our fear of visibility is that other people will judge us the same way that we judge them. Yeah. And, and that's quite uncomfortable, realizing that about yourself. And if you, once you see about yourself that, oh, actually, I'm, I'm judging others with maybe not the greatest positive intent, that once you start to look at other people with more positive intent and, you know, in a more positive aspect, then it becomes easier to look upon yourself in the same way as well. In terms of just, I'm only stating a fact here. I did this, the results were good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love that. Is it also something to do with we will think that other people will judge us the way we judge ourselves. Quite possibly, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, I mean, I, yeah, I, full transparency, I, I've done a lot of work with myself mm. on that. Yeah. In terms of guessing past a fear of judgment. Um, and, you know, no one is ever completely beyond it because we'd be a psychopath. This is it. I think it's but, part of the journey, isn't it? But you just need to learn <laughs> yeah. to to kind of accept it, accept yourself and and know that judgment is is kind of part of it but it's, it's and also judge yourself differently so learning and accepting that good enough is good enough yeah 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 this is it I mean perfectionism totally associated with imposter syndrome I like to think of myself as a recovering perfectionist I like everything to be 100 <laughs> percent and uh, I, I I talk about that or I was talking about that recently and when I think then of I do Duolingo every day to to kind of keep my Spanish up to date and and oh, wow. keep it going. Uh, I'm nearly at 365 days now, so I'm delighted um, delighted Brilliant. with that. But when I do, and, and but... a couple of stories around this. So when I get 100%, it says perfect. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, so there is, that kind of gives the message <laughs> that there is such thing as perfect. And I just remembered another instance where I got 96% in a paper that I wrote. It was my first time writing a paper in, I don't know, 20 years, something like that, maybe mm. close to 20 That's years. Fantastic. Exactly. But the way, the way my brain went and my mom quickly, as soon as anything, picked this up. She was like, you're wondering where that other 4% went. And I was like, of course I am. I got so close to 100%. Where's that other 4%? It's just, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, that's past Aoife as opposed to present Aoife, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm, I'm moving away from that perfectionism. Um, but yeah, I can no, see you almost itching yeah, yeah. all over going, where, 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 where does it, where does <laughs> it go? And I'm kind of, yeah, yeah. feeling your discomfort. How, how, how can I be more perfect? How can I do it? Um, the other thing, Paul, I wanted to come back to is this idea of sticking your head above the parapet. And mm. in Australia, especially, I don't know if it's in, in the UK and I don't think it's as common in Ireland, but they, they call it the tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. When someone grows, you know, when the, the poppy is a little bit taller, the people around them want to just cut them down. Again, in my kind of more recent work on myself, my understanding of that is when you feel like you want to tear someone down, it's more because you're envious or you're jealous of what they've yep. achieved. And it's an indication, nothing more than an indication of what you want for yourself. 
And you need to think about what actions can I take to achieve that as opposed to being jealous, being envious. What you want is to support those people because they're doing what, what it is that you want to do and how can you actually learn from them? Um, yes, I would agree with that. Where um, thinking, yeah, thinking particularly in the corporate workspace, yeah, yeah. for example, when there are certain people who are put on a key talent track, so whether they're graduate trainee programs or, or whatever, and they do get a lot of extra resource and a lot of extra support and a lot of extra attention. But if they're not actually doing a decent job, they will not get promoted. So yes, they have opportunities that other people don't have, but they do still have to live up to them. Yeah. And yet the mutterings that you quite often hear are, well, who the hell do they think they are? Or this, <laughs> that kind of thing. And as you say, you can't change the system you can't immediately change the system, yeah. potentially long term. You can't change the system today. So what can you do today to talk about how do I get that sort of support? Yeah. Who do I need to talk to? What do they need to see? Um, and are they willing to give me the opportunities to go for it? Because there is often this sense that it's a manager that leads a one-to-one. It's a manager that leads yeah. an appraisal or an objectives discussion or a development discussion. And it's not, it really should be the person who leads it, who has a sense of what do I want from this conversation? What do I want from you? What can you do for me, dear manager? Where do I want to go? Do I have your support? If I don't have your support, what do you need to see to get your support? What actions will you take to help me do those things? And if you don't ask for them, you don't get them. And again, I think that's a lesson that a lot of us learnt the hard way. Yeah. January always brings a little flurry of people getting in touch about either their appraisal or their objectives. Yeah. And, you know, there's often a theme around, well, I hit all my objectives, so we ticked every box, but my manager is still giving me a rubbish appraisal. Yeah. Because they said, well your objectives weren't as challenging as everybody else's. So, well, you can sense that frustration. Well, you, dear manager, agreed to them. Yeah. So, but there's some responsibility as an individual as well to say, are these objectives appropriate for me and the level I'm at? Um, What would you add that would give me a bit more challenge or development? Mm. Where could I develop further? What are your expectations for me to hit such and such a level and and to have those conversations throughout the year yeah because you should never be having that kind of thing as a surprise at the end of the year and that that sits on the manager yeah actually. yeah yeah it shouldn't be a surprise no no definitely but, not no no you need to get feedback throughout throughout i mean yeah we'd have a different conversation about how various different things are are done because that has happened to me in the past where i gave one of my direct reports a particular rating and then it was taken away and discussed in a quiet room calibrated and then the feedback came to me saying actually we've downgraded this let's say and you have oh. to have that conversation and it was like okay, but I haven't had that conversation up to now. So now it's a very difficult conversation to have that and explain uh, the impact. Obviously, without sort of saying, oh, well, it wasn't my decision, you know, and and so accepting full responsibility for something that wasn't actually my decision. But uh, yeah, that's just how things were done there. So that was that was rather frustrating. Um, 
but I, I, I totally see why you're saying you do need to have those conversations throughout. But, but I love this approach of, um, or this advice that, you know, as an individual contributor, you need to step up and take responsibility for managing that meeting, for getting across what it is that you want from your manager. And I know certainly when I have done that in the past, it's been uh, quite a struggle. There was an agreement there. This is in a job that I loved, but a blip, let's say, of a year long manager who I despised. Uh, we didn't get along very well at all. He and again, he was saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll definitely be promoted. Let's do let's work on this for three months. And so we were meeting weekly for three months. I was coming to him and saying, oh, and I, I did this and I did this and I did this. And then we got to the end of that time period and I said, OK, so how am I doing? Oh, uh, no, I'd have to check the job description or something like he kind of deferred to going back. And yeah, it was just a. Uh, I think, again, his first time managing people. So yeah. not not a great approach. I thought I was taking responsibility. I thought I was being really proactive in it. Well, you were. And and yet still ended with this. Any any kind of thoughts on that from a, I suppose maybe it's it's leaving people with the sense of if I'm, if I'm a manager, how can I manage these situations a little bit better? And then we'll, we'll talk about the, the individual. So, I mean, as a manager... Um, the situation that you spoke about in terms of where, you know, an appraisal got downgraded outside of your control, that that is pretty tough. Yeah. I know I do know that a lot of organizations do sort of a bell curve on on ratings because they say, Well, you can't have everyone I know having met their but objectives. It, but it makes the conversation yeah. easy. That's the problem that if you give everyone an outstanding or a five out of five or a three out of three from a manager's perspective, it's like, it's so I don't have to have that difficult conversation. But I mean, yeah. again, this whole rating system and performance management, the way we do stuff, that's a conversation for for another day as well. Yeah. That, yeah. Don't get me started on that one. You know, <laughs> when you work in a team of eight and you get told, well, you know, at least one or two of you is going to get the bottom rating. Yeah. It doesn't matter how well you've done. Exactly. So. Yeah. 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 That's no one on. wants to hear that. It's so demotivating. So demotivating. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> Rabbit hole. In terms, yeah, in terms of, of that, I suppose the question is, as a manager, how you know how aware is someone that that could happen? You know, because I don't want you know, sort of, I'm certainly not sitting in judgment of any manager who gets blindsided by their higher ups going, "No, you can't have that." Yeah. But I suppose you know, you live and learn. What are the questions I need to ask my higher ups in terms of what is my remit in terms of gradings, I might to tell my staff, this is what I'm recommending for you. Yeah. And using those words rather than saying, no, this is what you've got yeah. in terms of a grading. So I think, yeah, more in terms of what's the learning. Yeah. Because I don't know that you can really preempt that. No, no, I didn't. I didn't know that that's how things were done. And I, and I still, even when I received that feedback, I still didn't know exactly how things were done until I found myself on that leadership team. And I saw firsthand how the ratings yeah. were decided. And I was blown away because, yeah, I mean, again, a story for, for another day, um, but just how things were done was so subjective and really yep. like... Well, yes. Yeah. It comes, that again is it a comes topic back for another to, day. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> well, it, it comes back to this um, idea of visibility as well, Paula, because the people who were more visibly putting across what it was they were achieving, whether that was to their manager or to the wider business, were more likely to get yeah. the higher ratings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think... And 
and rating, yeah, and I mean, it's sort of appraisals with, within teams and stuff. You can't blind them in the same way that you would say blind it in a psychology experiment. But when it is blinded in psychology experiments, so whether you blind CVs so or, or switch genders mm, on CVs yeah. or that kind of thing, it has a massive impact on what kind of advice or what kind of feedback is given and how, what the judgment is on someone's performance. So gender does come into it. Race does come into it. The judgment of a CV, if you put an obviously sort of Asian name on something versus a very obviously British name is very different. Same with a female name versus a male name. Then their achievements are viewed very differently. Paul Paul Sheridan. (laughs) Wow, his achievements are outstanding. Paula Sheridan. Oh, I I don't know. Oh, those, yeah. What was it? Those. There is a good one. Oh, it was a scientist um, and he was a, a trans man. Hmm. And he, <laughs> one of his colleagues overheard some people muttering after he transitioned, some people sort of chatting while he was presenting some of his work. And they were sort of saying, oh, you know, th- this chap is a lot better than his sister. Oh. And it's like, well, same person. Yeah, yeah. Same person. Yeah. You're just... Judging it. Yeah, judging it differently. Yeah. The expectations that we have of men, the expectations that we have of women. Yes. But I mean, as a manager, things to be aware of are those sorts of biases, but then also being aware of what kind of feedback do you give? So how concrete is the feedback that you're giving your people? Um, Are you feeding back to individuals? The one that women get is be more confident. Meanwhile, the one that men might get is speak up in meetings, run meeting sessions, that kind of thing. Yeah. You're looking for the same outcome, yeah, but you're not telling women how to do it. Yeah. And so that comes up a lot. Again, in terms of viewing gaps in development, for men, they tend to be viewed as, oh, this is a development opportunity for you. You're ready for this job. Yeah. Whereas in women, it's viewed as, no, this is a gap. Yes. You need to fill this gap before you can you yeah. can apply for yeah, yeah. it. And and again, those those sorts of things tend to trigger people um seeking support as well as well, I was told not to apply for such and such a job because I didn't have experience of this, but the person they've hired does not have experience of this. Yeah. Yeah. So but I it's was told mixed not to messages apply. then. You're saying one thing for one person and another thing for someone else. Yeah. And it's Again, does it come back to the individual manager's judgment of what experience yep. you do have or what you can do? And yeah. Yeah. And and when you're in it and, and in the process and, you know, and I'm out of the corporate environment now, so it's a lot easier to kind of see all the places I went wrong yeah. with yeah. this yeah. in terms of not really not showing what I was capable of, of what I was doing yeah. because then when people did like the manager I mentioned earlier, did see me doing things that I thought, well, I do this all day, every day. Yeah. They'd be like, oh my goodness, I had no idea that your leadership and your ability to do this and your ability to do that. And it's like, well, yeah, I was just doing it every day. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, again, this is kind of a slightly off topic, but also related that sometimes when we have a strength, we don't realize that it's a strength because it's something we do quite easily and quite naturally. And we don't think to to tell people about it because it comes so easily and naturally to yeah. us. Yeah, it's it's the unconscious competence, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And 
And that's when the frustration, kind of going back to the beginning here, that's where the frustration comes in of someone less experienced getting promoted is that all they do stuff, why are they getting lauded for things that I do day in, day out? Yeah. Why is this being held up to the rest of the team as something brilliant? Yeah. I do this all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the ways the ways to start to le- to recognise what you do and what your skills are, are are things around having the conversations about, well, what did you do today? Literally, what did you do? Who did you talk to? What was the conversation about? And why did you have that conversation? And you can kind of then get into, oh, so you were anticipating risk. Mm. You're mitigating. Yeah. You know, you're stepping above and seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. And you're networking. You're building relationships with others. You're very good at understanding what what the needs of the other person are so that if you do have to have a difficult conversation, you can kind of meet them where they are in a way that will get the point across to them. And, you know, all of that sort of thing is stuff that people are probably doing without even realizing. Hmm. Yeah, this is it. This is it. Um, Any more thoughts from a manager perspective of how they can sort of facilitate this? And and then we'll we'll go on to the individual. Um, I think the facilitating bit is... In your team, if you've got more than a couple of direct reports, you've probably got, you've got your high flyer mm. coming through. Yeah. Um, and part of the issue with them is curbing their enthusiasm. Okay, yeah. Like, yes, I'm going to come through and I've done this and I've done that and, and I want my next challenge. As someone I spoke to said, you know, trying to get it across to them in a way that doesn't dampen their fire that actually you've only been here six months and that project's been going on for a lot longer than that. So no, you did not do all of that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so dampening some of it down. Yeah. Then you've also got the ones who are really struggling and really need some support and they do need some support. And then you've kind of got the lost middle. And these people are the, that I work with, they're the lost middle. They're the ones who don't cause you any problems. So where can you carve out a little focus time for the people who aren't causing you any problems. I love that, yeah. And what difference would that make to you and to them to take them forward? Yeah. So they're not necessarily the highly, highly enthusiastic. They're not necessarily on the the high flyer track or the uh, high potential, but actually... But they have potential. Exactly. That you, if you You focus them, give them them the resources that they need, give them the support that they need in order to take that to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they they do need that support. Well, they will flourish mm-hmm. with just a little bit of help in learning how to sell themselves. Yeah. Brilliant. And if they look good, then you look good. Yeah, this is it. Um, now, coming on then to individuals. So we spoke about the kind of the fear around the visibility, um, you know, the, the difficulties of the ingrained beliefs that we have about speaking up our, on our own behalves and, and mm. tooting our own horns. Any uh, any advice for what individuals can do? So if they if they wanted to start getting better visibility at work, if they wanted to not be overlooked when it comes to promotion time, if they want to progress in their career, but without feeling like they're they're kind of being overly confident, let's say. Yeah, they don't want to be that person. They don't want to be that person. And I think we all know who yes. that person is. <laughs> yes, because we all know that person. Yes. Um, and they we don't want to be them. I think... Feeling safe is a really important thing. Okay. So yeah. if you if you trust your manager, then maybe your manager is the place to start. If you don't feel that you want to make yourself that vulnerable to your manager initially, or if it makes you feel scared, 
then practice with someone that you do trust. Mm. And practice talking about achievements and saying them out loud. So, you know, I mentioned I Am Remarkable earlier. I Am Remarkable, the workshops, they are fabulous. I do facilitate them and they are free. They are awesome. And I Am Remarkable sort of will, will show you why talking about your achievements does not make you that person. Yeah. Bragging about your achievement, bragging about stuff that you haven't achieved makes you that person. Yeah. <laughs> but simply saying, I did this and the result was that is not bragging. It's just a statement of fact. And it's and it's okay. So look at it as though if you were preparing for an interview, you would go through line by line on the job description and come up with examples for it that, you know, things you've done that fit that job description. And so maybe start in that kind of way with just some core parts of your own job description with achievements for each of them. And there's any number of different acronyms for how to structure achievement. Mm. But the one I quite like is the SOAR acronym. So S-O-A-R. So what was the situation and what was either the obstacle or the opportunity, depending on your mindset, or the challenge, what did you do? Not what did we do, what did you do? And then what was the outcome, ideally with a quantifiable result? So if it is something like noticing that an important person has been missed off a distribution list, so the situation is that for Project X, I noticed that the regulatory person hadn't been involved in any of the meetings, yet we need their sign-off. So the um, the problem was that if we don't get their sign-off, then we miss this milestone. Mm. So what I did was I contacted them. I sat down with them. I took them through the project to date. They have given us some feedback and some modifications to make, but they say it's fine for them to go into the next round of edits. The result is that we will hit that milestone and we won't lose, I don't know, £100,000. Yeah. And yeah, it feels like a very simple thing that probably that you, know, you would do in your day-to-day job. But the impact is big. Yeah. I think just noticing those things and maybe jotting them down. I know certainly thinking back to my corporate days, I always had a reminder in my calendar every month to be like, okay, so what have I achieved this month? And I just think, oh, I'll do that next month, next month, next month. And then we get to November where I have to fill out my appraisal and I I realise I haven't done anything that year. (laughs) So this is a a lesson, folks, if you start writing those achievements down so you remember them. one one um, way I really like is catching raindrops. So the person who, who explained it to me was this around planning your time and, and, and planning your agenda. And at the start of the day, just say, here are the two or three things, no more than four things, that I will have achieved by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So these are the core priorities. And then at the end of the day, you work out what you need to do the next day, but you also review the day. And they say it shouldn't take more than five or ten minutes. And what you do is you gather raindrops. And raindrops are all these little positive things, little achievements throughout the day. So even if it is, I replied to the email I've been putting off for a week, gather all of those things. And he calls them raindrops because on their own, they are nothing. But you get enough of them and they'll break it down. Yeah. And if you get in the habit of gathering your raindrops at the end of the day, it gives you a real, it gives you your good old dopamine boost. But it also shows you that you have achieved things in the day. And all those little things do add up. Yeah. 
And then you do make a difference. And especially if you do it in writing. I mean, we spoke earlier about, I write lots of notes yeah. and things. <laughs> but especially if you do it in writing, because you can flick back through the pages and go, yeah, well, I did do a lot, didn't I? Yeah. I did do a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes we get to the end of the day and think that we haven't achieved that much or we were busy in meetings all day and we feel like we were yeah. really busy. But it's thinking about what was the achievement? You know, what did I actually yeah. get done here? You know, what's, what difference did I make? And well, I mean, again, for another podcast episode, why was I in that meeting if it, if it wasn't <laughs> beneficial? <Yeah. laughs> um, and, you know, that's come up time and time again, um, <laughs> this whole idea. But yeah, I mean, I like this idea of it's someone that you trust. So if your manager isn't necessarily the immediate person that you trust and you need to build up that confidence in talking about what you've actually achieved, then yeah, find that next best person and and start having those conversations and, and start kind of practicing about that. And you're so right, like if it's stuff that you have actually achieved and maybe going back to our earlier point about this idea of not knowing your strengths because you're living them all the time and you don't sometimes realize that you're your strengths. Sometimes it's beneficial to ask someone else, you know, what do you think that oh. I do differently as well? Um, you know, what's the oh, difference that I make? A question, mm. a question I love for feedback purposes is what do you appreciate about working with me? Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Because appreciate is such a lovely word, yeah. isn't it? And you hear things in a different way rather than what are my strengths. Yeah. And so that's a really powerful question. And then for the sort of the more development aspects, it's like, you know, what, what would make the greatest difference? Okay, yeah, me? yeah. Because again, it's a positive spin. Yeah. People like giving positive feedback. So make it easier for them. Yeah. That's a brilliant way of, of putting it rather than saying, can I have some constructive feedback or can you tell me the areas I need to develop? Or, you know, people are kind of afraid to to give that yeah. type of feedback in case it offends people. But normally when people ask for that, and it's a brilliant thing, if you're not asking for feedback, it's a brilliant thing to do. Uh, treat feedback as a gift. Someone is is giving you their time, their o- opinion. But I think people are afraid in case they offend the person but but usually if someone asks yeah. for feedback it's from a genuine place and they want to learn something and they want to yeah. progress and they want to do something differently they want to develop so so give that to them yeah and when when someone answers the question what do you appreciate me or what's my strength believe them yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is it <laughs> don't don't go oh they're just saying no, they're not just saying they're not that. just saying that because they're your friend they're not just saying that because they work with you because they're your colleague um, and yeah. yeah, if someone says something nice, it's, yeah, take it as it's from a genuine place. Yeah. Um, Paula, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what does being happier at work mean to you? Yeah, I had to ever think about this. I mean, I'm happiest at work if I'm being challenged, but feel supported. Mm. So I can think of roles I've done that, yeah, there was a lot going on and yeah, it was very challenging, but it was brilliant. Yeah. Because had good support, good manager. But there's a huge thing about being valued and being treated fairly. Yeah. And and being valued isn't just about pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about recognition. It is. A pre- an appreciation. Yes. And about feeling that you belong mm. and that you can you can just be you. Yeah. Being yourself at work. Bringing the whole of yourself to work yeah. is really important. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Brilliant. And if people want to reach out, if they want to connect with you, if they want to find out more about what you do, 
sign up to an I Am Remarkable workshop or anything like that, what's the best way they can do that? Um, you can get in touch with me on LinkedIn, where I am, I need to chat, I'm Paula-Sheridan on LinkedIn. Yes. So LinkedIn, then my profile is Paula-Sheridan. Or just drop me an email, which is Paula at unwrappingpotential, that's all one word, dot com. Brilliant. That's great. Thank you so much for your time today, Paula. I so enjoyed the Ooh, chat. Thank you for having me. Lots and lots of <laughs> nuggets for people, I think, to to hopefully put into action straight away, uh, you know, to to progress in their career or to create that environment where people feel that they can progress, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I just, I'd love a world where people get promoted on merit. Yeah. Entirely on merit. And for that to happen, we all need to learn to communicate what it is that we do and the value that we offer. This is it. And it's really important. And we all have to learn to listen to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Some really great parting <laughs> thoughts there. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for your time today, Paula. It's been great chatting, Aoife. Thank you so much. That was Paula Sheridan and I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I definitely took a lot from it as well. The first thing I wanted to share in relation to that is this idea of influence and visibility. So it matters that you're getting stuff done and you're looking after other people's needs. But it also matters that people know what you're doing at work. So influence and visibility. And she said that visibility is the most important thing. And I think a lot of people neglect this at work. Interestingly, it ties in with this networking theory or career success theory called pie theory, which I learned about from Kingsley Aikens. It's this idea that performance, image and exposure is what works. And I think people think oftentimes that the work they do will speak for itself, but that's not necessarily the case. And, you know, we explained that in in quite a bit of detail in the podcast today. So those three parts, again, performance, image and exposure and exposure is actually the most important thing. So what kind of performance you have, the image that you've created of yourself. But if you're not getting to speak to the right people about what it is that you're doing and the impact you're having at work, then that can have detrimental consequences on your career. Now, I loved this idea that uh, Paula shared today of this st- sailing a steady ship. So if you are able to identify risks and, and, and anticipate problems in advance of them happening, then maybe you don't even think that you're doing that or you forget that you're doing that. But being able to do that and, and keep the ship sailing steadily as opposed to having everything messed up is a really great way to be. But sometimes we don't realise that and we don't want to show off. We don't want to be perceived as being bossy as well. Oftentimes, I think what we're doing in our careers is just waiting to be noticed. So we're waiting for someone to notice all of the brilliant work that we're doing without realising that we're the ones that need to take responsibility and tell people about all of the great work that we're doing. We spoke also about connecting what it is that you're doing on a day to day basis. And from a manager's perspective, you can help people to do this as well. So connecting what you're doing on a day to day basis with the outcomes that the business is looking to achieve with the objectives that you have been set, but making a really clear link between those two things. Not only is it really motivating, it makes it much easier for people to explain the impact that they're having at work as well. 
Another key thing that I took away from this conversation is that oftentimes we feel or we give our power away by assuming that the manager is going to take responsibility for leading the one to one conversations that we have with them. And it's not it's not that way. It's up to us to stand up and and take responsibility for that and really think about what is it that I want at work? What do I want? Where do I want to go? And do I have the support of my manager in order to get there? What resources do I need? What additional support do I need in order to make that happen? So some really important questions to ask yourself. One of the examples that Paula shared was about, you know, you get to your end of year appraisal and you've completed all of your objectives, but you haven't actually got a really good appraisal. In fact, you've got a rubbish appraisal and that's happened to me in the past when you don't really know what's going on. Uh, We talked about performance management and the rating system and we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But on a future podcast episode, I'd love to talk about that in a little bit more detail. Do let me know if that's something that you want to talk a little bit more about, if you want to learn a little bit more about or share your thoughts on it, what works, what doesn't work. I have my own thoughts on that as well. And from a management perspective, then it's really about being aware of any biases that you might have, uh, giving feedback and and treating feedback as a gift and be really specific and concrete with your feedback as well. And the perception of a gap versus a development opportunity. So it's, you know, are you treating a gap in skills as a development opportunity for one person or treating it as a gap in skills for another person? So something to to be aware of there as well. From the individual's perspective, then it's thinking whether you feel safe to go to your manager or is there someone else in your organization or outside of your organization that can be a mentor for you and practice talking about some of your achievements with someone that you trust. Paula also mentioned the I Am Remarkable program. I'll definitely be checking that out. It's been on my radar for a while, but I haven't done it yet. And then also listing our achievements. And sometimes people find this really hard when I work with people in relation to imposter syndrome. They find it really hard to actually list out what their achievements are. But I can guarantee you once you start listing out your achievements, whether in your personal life, in your work life and the skills associated whether you had to learn those skills or or whether you feel like you had them naturally. It's a real game changer. And the acronym that Paula used today is SOAR. So looking at the situation that occurred, the obstacle, what you personally achieved, and then the outcome and put the outcome in really solid terms as well. You saved the company time, you saved the company money, you made the company money, whatever that might be. And I think oftentimes we fall victim to this mentality that we're working as part of a team and we achieved this and this is what we did. But really it's about focusing in on what you individually contributed to that situation. What was your contribution to it? What difference did having you on that team actually make? The last couple of points I wanted to remind you of then, the first one is this idea of raindrops. So it's catching the raindrops, reviewing the day and thinking about and writing down your positive achievements for the day. And when you get enough of those, it's enough to break a dam, build up and build up and build up over time and really, really watch it take off. The final piece then are these two questions that you can ask when it comes to feedback. So what do you appreciate about working with me? So that's a way to get some positive feedback if you're looking to get some positive feedback. And then when you're looking for more developmental feedback, what would make the greatest difference in, you know, how I work, in our relationship, whatever that might be. 
but love those two questions as well. As I mentioned, do get involved in the conversation. You'll find all details of my social media channels on my website, happieratwork.ie. Do feel free to connect with me wherever you find me on social media and do get involved in the conversation. I'd love to hear more about what your thoughts are. Have you tried anything from the podcast? Is there anything that you would add? Is there anything that you're afraid to do? Do let us know in the conversation. I will be back again next week with another interview based podcast and I look forward to sharing my thoughts with you then. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I am so glad you tuned in today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love to get your thoughts. Head on over to social media to get involved in the conversation. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love if you could rate, review it or share it with a friend. If you want to know more about what I do or how I could help your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.